Hey guys, welcome into episode, I think this is 10 or 11 now, of the MLS Bench Podcast. I'm Joey, I got a, a full cast of characters with me today, uh, Andres, John, and Matt are with me to discuss uh, an exciting week of MLS action that was, and some midweek games, a bunch of them coming up tonight, we'll touch on that later in the pod. Um, we got Philly, uh, Se- uh, Philly versus uh, Red Bulls, that one ended in a draw. Seattle, Portland, Dallas, all winning big um, at the weekend, and we'll get into all of that. I uh, just want to uh, throw in here, if you listen to this and you are not uh, subscribed to the podcast, if you don't follow the podcast on uh, Twitter, uh, that'd be a great thing to do. Just support us just a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, really appreciate all the support. Um, it means a ton. So if you guys could do that, that'd be great. And I think we can now get into the uh, weekend's game, and we'll start with uh, a battle that, um, at least when it started, was at the top of the East between uh, first place Philly and second place Red Bulls. And now both those teams uh, do not sit in the top two of the Eastern Conference table. Um, it finished 1-1 in Chester. Uh, it finished with Red Bulls down to 10 men. But yet, um, it is yet another uh, draw for Philly. They haven't won in, I believe, four or five straight. And for the Red Bulls, uh, well, it's another solid defensive performance, especially going down to 10 men, down a goal, and they got one um, when uh, they were even down a man. So I think all in all, probably more positives to take away for the Red Bulls uh, than for Philly. But Andres, what did you see in this one? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right, Joey. I think uh, if you're if you're Red Bulls, you're happier with the result than than if you're the Union. Um, you know, the first their first half was pretty choppy, and then um, when when the Union come and get that pretty nice goal, actual that that one two with Hario and Gazdag, um, and then the, the needless red card comes out. You think the the Union are probably gonna gonna cruise um, to an easy you know either one either hold on one nil or, or add on at the end. But actually, after the the red card, I, I think Red Bull could do even more of what they normally do, which is play, you know, without the ball and kind of counter. And it it seemed like they were actually the better team for the last thirty minutes um, or last thirty five minutes, uh, even even down a man. So you know, another another one of those performances from from Red Bull where they they find a way to get a result. Um, and if you're Philly, you're seeing a lot of what you saw last year, where you know they had a couple chances to kind of put that game away, and again not uh, not super clinical, especially from the from the forwards. Um, Sergio Santos is one of those guys that creates a bunch of chances, but just doesn't seem to to be clinical. So I think you're you're mildly disappointed if you're Philly, and you're you'll take the point if you're if you're the Red Bulls. Yeah, I gotta agree with you on uh, specifically looking at. Philly's difficulties finishing. I I'm really hopeful that uh, Mikhail Ura or Michael Ura, I apologize on pronunciation, um, can come back really really strong because I think that having somebody with his profile coming in to finish off those chances is going to be huge for Philly going forward. Um, looking to Red Bulls though, they've been road warriors th- so far this season. They've been winning away from home, drawing away from home really, really playing at a high level. And for them to go ahead and be able to put up a block against a, a very strong Philadelphia attack 
down a man. Really, really impressive. Shows a lot of uh, strength in that that unit. Um, I want to really shout out Frankie Amaya. Uh, was really fun to watch for me personally this match. He just adds so much energy, applies so much pressure, and then can get the ball forward in a really, really fast way. And I think that's going to be something that I'm going to be watching for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I, I love Amaya. I, I there's been some discussion on some, you know. Uh, like chat rooms and stuff I've heard like if he had popped off a little bit earlier could we see him you know around the national team conversation just because you know it's been so short um and you know so recent uh but he's in excellent form um I I I agree with your point Matt about if they had aura do they you know finish those chances have some success because he's had such a choppy start to the season coming in not really being able uh, to play until the second game, getting sub appearances, maybe only one start, maybe two um, so far this year. So, and then obviously the uh, re-injury. So for him, it's been um, super choppy and not the start he would have hoped for. But yeah, Gazdai grabs another goal for Philly. So that's not terrible. Um, Carranza had a goal uh, chopped off uh, due to VAR, I believe right, uh, rightfully so. Um, but yeah, for, for Philly, it just, they're, the ceiling, and as a, as a Union fan, the thing that kind of annoys me is, like, the ceiling never seems to be more than, like, a couple chances in a game. Like, a, a couple high-quality chances, maybe, and that's about it. We we never dominate when we have the ball. It's, it's really hard to get into those, you know, high-quality attacking areas like some teams are able to do easily. And part of that's due to, like, the Union don't play in a super open, free-flowing attacking style that would, you know, produce a lot of, you know good looks necessarily but when you have as much of the ball as they tend to do especially um after rebels go down uh to 10 and yet they're still not able to produce a ton at home it doesn't make me particularly happy and it, it just continues i think it um i looked it up now six games including the open cup match um without a win for philadelphia and i don't think that says as much about the defensive side as it does the attacking side because Defensively, it's been basically, uh, it was two goals uh, in Open Cup and two goals versus LAFC. But besides that, um, uh, it's been one goal uh, allowed in every game uh, for basically a month now. That's not terrible, right? One or two goals max, you know, that's not terrible. It's the attack that, you know, once again is having trouble finding its footing. Um, And as a Union fan, we need that to uh, kick off. John, uh... Did you see this game, and uh, what are your takeaways from it? Yeah, I, I think I, I might have a little bit of a stronger take than you guys. I think that uh, if you're a Philly fan, I think I think you have to be pretty frustrated here uh, at this game. Um, I think you know if you haven't seen this game, you see a one-one result, um, you maybe uh, might be under the illusion that this is a, this is a good result, especially since New York Red Bulls have looked good of late um, but then when you see how this game played out and you see oh there was a red card uh, in the 55th minute while um philly was up right so philly is playing a man up while also being up a goal for the majority of this game um i, I think if you're a philly fan you really want philadelphia to, to to close this out i think a union fan uh should almost expect it, right? That's what good teams do. They close out games, especially games where they're up a man, especially games where they're up a goal. And they surrender one here. They surrender one here. And it's partially because 
um, red cards change games, right? Uh, when teams go down, they tend to get into a low block, and Philly has uh, struggled to break, break teams down this season when they have the ball, sort of as you said, Joey. And so um, I think for them, they struggled to um, come up with some of those build-up play chances, um, which is ironic because their first goal was, as uh, Andre said, a, a one-two sort of build-up chance type goal. It wasn't their regular um, sort of counterattack counterattacking ways so but i don't know I, I i think if you're a union fan you you have they have to close these out right these are the points at the end of the season that um really make or break what playoff spot um you're fighting for you're absolutely right and the the thing that really concerned me about that um red bulls goal for philly uh was it did not feel like it was against the run of play watching at least like it it just it looked like they were consistently knocking on the door, and I don't understand where that's coming from, truly, because you know both these teams can do you know the the energy drink soccer like they will run and run and run and run and run, and so to see a team be able to be played through that easily gives me a little bit of of concern um also just i I really want to see can the union uh develop that other club in the bag. Can they learn how to go ahead and hold the ball, pass the ball and really get that progression playing forward. And I think that's going to be interesting. It's, it, it's particularly interesting from this matchup because that's kind of what uh, Gerhard Struber has done for Red Bulls. They've, they've transitioned from only high, high, high press to being able to do it a little bit both ways. And so if, Philly can go ahead and develop that second club, then they're going to be really, really scary. But it just needs a little bit more work. I'd like to trademark the term energy drink soccer. I stole that from extra time, but I, you know, we, our, our trademark lawyers are better. So you got to get to it first. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, like the, the issue for the union is really breaking down. It's not even like, a block it's just getting chances from the run of play because look, i love the union and i love them because they play super pragmatic they can beat any team in mls on any given day because of the system and because of the players who occupy that system that's you know less of the problem for me the issue is and the the downside to that kind of system is when you have guys who are so stuck in that system where you have you know fullbacks who are you know, they bomb up and they, they do well. They're traditional fullbacks. You have center backs who are basically defensive-minded center backs. Um, you have a six who's a typical destroyer six. You have two eights who are just the workhorses. You have a 10 who's the creator and you have two strikers. That's great, but that doesn't allow for a lot of fluidity. So you end up having pretty set lines. Um, and it, it becomes easier to defend. And that's what a, it's, it's a lot of crosses easy to defend um often you know crosses are generally you know low chance especially when they come from you know the outside uh i mean the issue for the union is just finding more consistently those fluid attacking moments and they just don't seem to produce them on the regular now i'm sure that's the case for a lot of mls teams i don't support a lot of ml i support one and it's the union and i follow them so much so that's kind of how i know this but the the tough thing, unfortunately, is unless the union right 
uh, Matt, thanks for pointing that out in the chat. 22 crosses from Philly. 22 crosses. Not one goal. That That's a problem. And it, unfortunately, as a Union fan, that's the story for a whole bunch of these matches. It's the same story over and over and over again. So we'll see if the Union are able to um, counteract this, because I, I, if they want to progress the MLS Cup, which is that's still the match that they haven't gotten to yet, in all the matches in MLS, they still haven't gone to MLS Cup in their entire history. If that's what they need to do, they need to start being more fluid attacking wise, or else this problem is going to continue to play them. Andres, do you see any quick fixes, any ways to address this with the current roster that the Union have? Do you think it's a system thing? Because I am interested to know, like from an outsider's perspective, do you see this as an issue, and how do you see this getting fixed? Because I could talk for hours on this. Yeah, no, so I, I was going to say, I think part of it is also the finishing of the chances that they do get. But I'm, look, I'm looking here at their XG, and they're actually basically performing right at their XG or even slightly out, outperforming their XG. So it's not, it's not, that, it's not that pronounced as, a, as much as I thought it was, with the exception of, Sir, of Sergio Santos. Um, he's the only one that, that doesn't have a goal and, and is, has an XG of around two. So... Yeah, I think a lot of it is is really a system thing, and it's part of it's it's part of what makes them good is that rigidity, but it also limits the the amount of chances. So I think it's it might be a be careful what you wish for type of scenario where you know if if you open up a little bit and you you allow for that fluidity, um, I think you you open up yourself to to some more breakdowns. And uh, this isn't a, a disservice, I don't think, to to the to union or union fans, but. From a from a roster salary uh, top level talent point of view, you know I think we all kind of know that the union are, are limited, and you know you've lost a couple of best eleven type players in the last couple of years. You haven't really replaced them with with top guys either. Um, so I think you know you're you're probably dealing with uh, this is about where their ceiling is. This type of game where you you try to get a goal and hold on, um, and if you open up more, you might be doing more harm than good. And that's my worry that it's the open up and the open play style of things. I tend to not agree that you have to, you know, open up to create better chances. You know, I, I say that partially hoping that that's not the case because um, I would love the union just to be able to walk in and play the defensive style that they do and grab three XG a game. Now, I mean, it is still early and we talk about XG, you know. I'd say generally you probably need a slightly larger sample size to be largely determinative um, of the union so far this season. But like, generally by those expected metrics, they're a good team, never the best team. And defensively, they're able to, I think, often outproduce or I guess outperform what they're supposed to do necessarily because, you know, defensively, you know, in a like, single game to game, it can kind of get you so far because... If you don't allow a goal or if you allow one goal, you know, often you're going to find one opportunity or two opportunities that you can just bury and that's the game, right? And the Union are so good at not giving up goals. Same thing about Red Bulls. But I, I think this game is slightly more, you know, it. there's more to talk about from the Union perspective because, and I guess we can quickly touch on Red Bulls and move on. For the Red Bulls perspective, it, it's kind of more of the same, you know, battle it out on the road, as you guys have already mentioned get a draw, get a point, and, you know, come home with 11 men this time. And uh, are they home tonight? I, I think they might be. Um, 
come home and, uh, you know, get three points, kind of. I, I think that's a story for Red Bulls. And I think once again, Matt, it's a story of Red Bulls defensively are one of the best teams in the league, if not the best every year. And they can show it regardless of how many uh, players they have on the pitch. Yeah, and the the difference this year versus other years, I think, is really are they getting production from their high-end talent? And I think that we're starting to see some of that come through. Uh, Klamala has been up there as far as his um, expected goals added uh, number, and they're getting good production from Yearwood. And I think I'm still pretty you know, high on Fletcher. Um, they need to start putting this product together at home. That's going to be the thing that will, you know, take them from two, three, four to number one, uh, because they have not won a match yet at home, if I remember correctly. Um, so if they can put those pieces together, that's a scary team. Yeah, my worry think- with the Rebel is where's the, where are the goals going to come from? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, but you're starting this week. They started Tom Bardo. Um, they brought Zach Ryan off the bench. Fletcher wasn't wasn't available, but he hasn't really produced yet. Um, Klamala's sort of a hybrid false nine type player that that scores, but but not as he's not a fifteen or twenty goal scorer either. So I, I'm I'd be concerned about where they're going to consistently get goals from if it's not Lukinius or if it's not set pieces. Yeah, I um I agree with really what all y'all are saying. I think. Um, I think the thing I would add is that this um, this game really encapsulates the soul of both teams really, really well. Like if you hadn't seen a lot of New York Red Bulls, if you haven't seen a lot of Union play, um, I think it would sort of really explain who they are. I think New York Red Bulls are a middle of the uh, table type team with not a lot of high end talent who are uh, they have some grit. They're going to they're going to fight you to the end. Uh, and I think on the flip side, I think when you look at the Union, I think the Union are a great team. I think objectively they will be uh, in the playoffs. I will be surprised if they're not in the playoffs at the end of the season. But I think they lack some of that um, methodical, almost clinical um, mentality, uh, especially in closing out games. And I think that at the end of the day, um, what they lack in sort of that killer instinct really embodies what's missing between uh, taking them from what is really a really good team in this league to what is a really great team in this league. And so I think it embo- this game really shows, uh, in truth, uh, where both teams are at. I think the Union are a step below really being an excellent, great team in this league. I think they're a really, really good team, definitely on the, the upper end of things. Um, but they're just missing that little bit of uh, clinicalness. Um, that sort of uh, winning mentality to finish a game that they should finish at home, right? And then I think for the New York Red Bulls, I think you're right. I don't think they have the talent to sort of win some games this year, but I do think they have some of the grit, some of the never-say-die attitude to pull out results like this. Um, that'll place them somewhere in the middle of the table. Yeah. We finally got the East Coast Goonies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, a, a perfect... Um... Uh, a perfect rematch to what was a great playoff game last year. Uh, uh, final score in Chester, uh, unfortunately for me, a Philly, uh, a Philly Union fan, given the game, uh, given the way that the game went, uh, Philly won. Red Bulls won. Uh, D- Dylan Neal, uh, tongue tied. Dylan Nealis, um, 
suspended for the next match uh, after getting that red card. Um, and we'll move on to a team that, after 45 minutes, the storyline would have been quite different and um, potentially uh, slightly more uh, drastic, I guess, uh, than the final result. Uh, Seattle 3, Minnesota 1. Um, this one was all, uh, in Seattle. And Seattle, after coming off the CONCAF Champions League um, win, you know, in the, I think it was two games maybe, that followed that game, uh, winless, uh, including the Open Cup loss midweek against San Jose. And so when they were down 1-0 at halftime of this game, it the, and this was with the full lineup. This was not a rotated lineup. This was basically everybody that you could have hoped for starting. It Alarm bells started going off for me because we keep saying they're going to kick on. They're going to kick on. And I, I was okay after the first two matches, not really a full lineup, giving them um, a break. But after a poor start, you know, even with CCL to domestic uh, campaign. And, you know, if they were going to lose to Minnesota at home, I think that would have caused a little bit of panic um, in Seattle. And uh, the response after halftime was three goals, including a Christian Roldan banger and a, uh, a, a, a solid 3-1 win at home versus Minnesota. Uh, John, how do you see this game and... Um, Kind of compare your feelings at halftime uh, to your post-game feelings, if you could. Yeah, I think, um, you know, at halftime, there's a lot of frustration. I, I think that the Minnesota goal was really fluky. I think it was, uh, if I'm, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Nuhu Tolo who uh, sort of misplayed a ball at the back, sort of gave a gift. Uh, yeah, to Robin Good. That's right, John. Yeah. And so, like, really a fluky goal. Um, a goal that really didn't feel, um, uh, I mean, it felt fair, but it, it's hard to say that that's a repeatable goal, right? If you're a Seattle fan, you got to be kicking yourself. If you're new, you got to be kicking yourself, right? And so, but I, I think this would make Seattle a good team, right? Uh, they never say die. They come in, they have some quality in Christian Roldan to get bangers. Um, and I, I think at the end of the day, right, um, this is what, what separates um, good teams from great teams is that they're willing to come back. Um, I, I have made no secrets on this podcast that I am not a huge fan of Minnesota, not because I don't like them, but because I just have some doubts about them. And I, I think this game shows it perfectly. I, I'm not sure if there's a ton of redeemable things in, in what happened. And, um, I, you know, not that they're a terrible team. They're not. I just think, um, they're just, I just am not convinced they're a good team. I, I think that they're middle, middle of the road in my opinion. So, but yeah, at the end of the game, uh, Honestly, as a Seattle fan, it, it's like, yeah, it's relief because because you feel like they should win, right, uh, against a Minnesota team that has just been just fine. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think if you're a Seattle fan, it wasn't like this was a must-win game, but it was certainly uh, a game that uh, gave a lot of relief about um, the domestic um, regular season. So, yeah, those are my thoughts. Yeah, I think you could really call this one a, a, a quietly – dominant performance if only looking at the second half the second half you know we're looking at uh seattle generating about three times as many expected goals we're seeing uh all three of the goals come through and we're seeing some really really high level play this is why seattle is going to be a really good team for the rest of the season and 
now that they're through the the CCL hangover, now that they're um, they have a really really good plan to t- deal with uh, Joao Paulo's injury, they're going to be tough for the rest of the season. This is there's no question that they are not going to be staying near the bottom of that Western Conference. Yeah, I, I think the the real story for this one was um, the, the resiliency that was showed uh, by Seattle. But I, I I would say that. Seattle was much more dominant in the second half. The first half had chances going to both sides. Seattle wasn't um, without uh, possession and without chances, certainly. Um, but Minnesota had a few chances um, and a few looks kind of on the counter, kind of the traditional Minnesota style. I wouldn't say anything out of the ordinary. But it, it was slightly disconcerting if you're Seattle because you're at home, you have your, your back line. And there were just little looks, you know, created by that Minnesota front four um, with the Seattle defensive mid pretty detached from the back line in a way that they aren't always. There were a couple times where it was basically Seattle's back four versus Minnesota's front four that I'm just kind of remembering now that I didn't love if I was Seattle. But then obviously it all got fixed up in the second half. And Andres, if you would, can you just touch on Christian Roldan? Because... I mean, absolutely, what a player. He, the start to the season has been unbelievable, and I think he'll, he has every right in wanting that call-up uh, to the national team and playing time because the way he's been playing and his goal contributions, are they're, with, they're beyond reproach, I think, at this point, right? Yeah, and for me, you mentioned at halftime you'd be frustrated, and, and I remember thinking about 70 minutes in, uh, man, I wonder if this this hangover from from CCL is going to last a little longer. Um, not not necessarily in terms of we know from from Dallas in the Open Cup that they rotated. This was their first eleven, um, but they just didn't seem super sharp. And there was a few chances for Jordan Morris that went kind of wide, coming coming off that left wing that he would get into a good spot but couldn't quite finish. There was a Rusnak chance that he was gifted. Um, that went right at Dane St. Clair, and I was thinking, man, they just might not, you know, break through, and and it's going to be uh, another week before they can kind of find their stride. And then Roldan came in, just absolutely laced one um, from about what twenty five yards out, and and you've seen that from Roldan, but you you also see a lot of what he can do as a as a wide player, kind of stretching the defense. You you see him get into some really interesting positions where where he causes the defense some problems off of just straight hustle um but I, what i was reading from i think it was in doyle's column column on from monday where you got to be a little bit worried about how much how many hits he takes because his his style of play is so physical and you saw it with pumas um you saw it again with minnesota you've seen it with basically every time he gets on the field he's just a hundred percent um, all the way through the 90 minutes and how long can that last um, but it's a huge quality to have and if you're if you're Greg Berhalter you know he's probably he's not going to break into that McKinney Adams Musa um, trio but having that type of player um, on the squad that could play centrally that could play wide that can give you a little bit of everything and can come up with a banger like that that's a huge luxury to have well, and I would add that Roldan just has not only some consistency, but um, he just has what I would call some resilience. Uh, if you just look at his history of injuries, uh, there basically isn't one. Um, he 
had a little bit of some injuries um, in one of the playoff runs um, and in, a, in the series with the Timbers uh, a few years back. But other than that, he has just been logging so many minutes for Seattle um, and has just really never been out for any extended amount of time. And I think that that's notable, right? Because I think that um, that's not true of a lot of players sometimes. And um, I think that, uh, you know, his style of play is so physical that that's what makes his consistency of simply being on the field that uh, impressive. And consistency of performance. Every time he's on the field, he is pedal to the metal. And even if maybe, you know, obviously you don't get a, a banger like, he, like this week, every week, but you can count on, on, the, on the hustle, on the, on the energy, on the pressing, on the stretching the defense um, every, every single time he's out there. So that's, that's also super impressive from him. Yeah. yeah. If, it's, if it's not a banger every week, it's a really, really well-timed challenge. It's an incredibly, you know, perfectly weighted cross. And we're talking about a guy who's versatile at so many things, but also is doing them at such a high level. This is the player that every coach in this league wants. Yeah, and I'll leave this game uh, with the Christian Rodon talk, I'll, and I'll just say, like, Schmetzer is so high on him, because he's like, I, I forgot the exact quote, but he's like, he brings the effort every single time, he, he just does so much on the field, and he does so, he just puts so much into the game, how could you not want him on your team, I think is basically the, the, um, the quote, and I think that just sums up Rodon perfectly, because he's going to put everything in the game, he's going to give it all, and he has a little something that every every game that you see is just like okay here we go, um, and so I am honestly I know he gets so much hate but I don't think he deserves it. And I I'm interested to see if he can you know finally get that breakthrough with the national team. It's going to be hard. There's a lot of talented players ahead of him right now on the depth chart, but you know can he continue this good form into camp? He's going to get chances. There's four games in this next camp. He's going to get on the field. Um, what can he do uh, with the time that he gets? Um, because for Seattle, he's an absolute, he's an integral part of what they try to do. I mean, um, I'd, I'd want him in my twenty-three. You know, I would a hundred percent, if can, not just for the the effort side of it. Want him he can in my fill so many so many different roles mm-hmm. in different game states. Yeah, you know, he's like you mentioned, super versatile. Uh, when you have a limited squad for for a tournament, I think that's the type of player that um, is super useful and, and valuable to have to have with you, even if he's not starting, which. I think it's going to be tough for to break into the 11, but I think he should be on the squad. At least as of right now, he should be. Well, and Smesher describes him as a player who hates to lose. Like, he disdains yes. losing, right? And that in itself is just helpful from a, like, uh, you know, from a locker room type guy perspective. Yeah, I think that's, I, that's a great way to put it. I haven't thought of it uh, that way before. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, hundred uh, percent. Seattle three, Minnesota one, and a much needed three points for Seattle as they really, really start to kick off their domestic campaign, uh, give or take two and a half months after everybody else. Um, but they have a trophy, uh, and it's the big one, so that won't really matter uh, to them. Uh, let's go to the game where uh, the goals uh, flowed really in one direction, unfortunately, Matt, as uh, Sporting KC took another defeat uh, this time. Quite, quite heftily. Um, to Portland, uh, it was in Portland, um, and I think this is the game that the Timbers can really officially say, like, th- this is the first really, really good game for Portland this season. Um, 
they they win seven two. There were two red cards in this game as well. Uh, you always love a bit a little bit of ten v ten. Sebastian Blanco uh, grabs two uh, two goals six minutes apart and um, and assi- two assists. My bad as well. So it was a lot of fun for the home side, but for Matt, your uh, your side, um, can you kind of give us some state of the sporting KC because it's been a little bit. They are right now um, second to last in the entire MLS table, and far and away last on uh, points per game too. Um, I'm going to touch on the game first. Uh, first half relatively, you know, even ish. Portland definitely had the better of the chances. Um, that second half, though, was an embarrassment uh, from a sporting Kansas City perspective. Um, it's just frustrating at this point for a sporting Kansas City fan. Uh, the the capitulation that our team has had this season is something that I think is kind of unique. Peter Vermees' sides have always been very resilient, uh, and they just turned over. And that's that's really frustrating. Um, Johnny Russell came out and had some comments about how it was difficult to call themselves professionals after that second half. Sporting Kansas City has a lot of soul searching to do. Um, so it's it's looking like it's going to be a down season, and we'll see how how the rest of it works out. But rough stuff. Very very rough spot for Sporting Kansas City. Lots of folks are you know, very reasonably incredibly upset. Um, so finding a way to get back to that success is going to be difficult. Yeah, it's tough, especially when there's there's been a fair amount of injury, obviously turnover from last year, you know, already some early season shakeups with the center back pairing. It's, it's kind of tough to find a rhythm. And this is a team who I think, uh, you know, with the wingers that they have, um, with I mean, Amelia, uh, still a brick wall, basically back there. The um, the center backs that at least you came into the year thinking you had a great pairing in Fontas and Izzy Matt Marine, and um, they haven't started the season the way they wanted to. You you hope for more, and you still hope for more. I'm not saying that you know now it's going to be playoffs. Maybe is the hope, but at least fighting, challenging for the playoffs, and not being last in the league on points per game. John, what did you see in this one? And uh, how how did the Timbers spark seven? Yeah, I think Sebastian Blanco came out and tapped the shoulder on the league and said, hey, remember me? Uh, I'm still here. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he, he uh, reminded uh, the league of his presence. Um, but I think another thing that maybe might go unsaid is that um, I'm, I'm going to butcher his name. I feel like I butcher some player's name every week, but this is my chance this, this time. Nathan... Uh, Fogasa? Yes. Fugata? I think Fogasa. Uh, nice. Even a blind nut finds a squirrel every once in a while, right? Um, yeah. Fogasa um, had two goals in his uh, debut for the club, which, um, you know, if you're debuting for the club is an absolute dream, right? Um, it's an absolute fever dream to score two in your debut. So I think that that has to be mentioned as a part to play. Uh, and then I, I do think that in a way SKC rolled over and died in this game. I think whenever seven goals are scored, mentality has to be brought up. I mean, we can talk about X and X's and O's and injuries all you want, but there becomes a number where you just have to ask, is this a mentality thing? And I, I think seven is pretty close to that number. I think you have to ask, 
did they give up? Um, you know, not to take away from, um, not to take away from what Portland did. Um, it is probably worth reminding uh, our listeners, though, that this game was one zero at half, um, and so it wasn't like this game was, uh, you know, out of hand quickly. It, it got out of half in the second half, and so um, that's really what makes me think that they rolled over and died. Um, you know, with Sebastian Blanco saying, hey, remember me? I'm still here. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what I saw. 1-0 yeah. at half with decent enough chances for Sporting KC where I'm not going to say that they should have been leading at half, but I mean, they could have scored. They had some chances. They had enough of the ball, Matt. Like, I don't... I, I think you can be with me in that and saying, like, Sporting was not bad in the first half. Uh, no, it was, it, it was relatively Wilman, That was about it for Portland. Yeah, it, there there were options or there were chances both ways. Um, I think you're you're right to bring up that Portland came through in this, and especially Sebastian Blanco, two goals, two assists. This is this is a statement match, and I think that this is going to be something that could really really spark Portland's season, um, especially with Fogasa's. Uh, I think he goes by Nathan, but. Uh, his really, really strong introduction. Um, and Portland has just been in kind of a, a weird malaise to start the season. I think they're gonna they're pop they're, they're going to pop off after this. Um, if they can get all of that attacking talent moving in the right direction, they're going to be scary. For Sporting, uh, the ability to finish chances has not come through. Uh, we know that both Johnny and uh, Daniel Shallowy were overperforming uh, on their expected goals from last season. And that's why they both had uh, MVP cases to a certain degree. Um, so they've, they've got to find some way to start creating goals right now. Um, and I think Johnis is going to be a big part of that. I think that... Um, I'm hoping that Vujinovic, uh, who's a U22 striker that we brought in from uh, Slovenia, I believe, uh, there's options there. And now I feel like there's hopefully going to be a little bit pressure because I don't think that there's a way to necessarily salvage this season. Matt, do you think that Vermees is on the hot seat? It's a difficult question. The, the honest answer is no. And the question of should he be on the hot seat is a different one. Um, I think that looking at the history of this team, there is no separation between what Sporting Kansas City is and who Peter Vermees is. He has so much control over what that organization does from a soccer perspective that he's going to have the, the leash of, of, a, of a bad season. It's a painfully bad season, but he's going to get that 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 um, that length. Uh, I'm, if I'm honest, I really hope that we start to see a, a, a slight movement towards separating out the head coach and the the sporting director because he's currently, I think it's him and Adrian Heath as the two uh, who have that kind of combined position. Uh, and and uh, Bruce Arena, I believe, up in uh, New England. Those are three teams that are underperforming right now. So um, it's. I think that there's going to be some changes, but I don't think that you're going to see Vermees out of this organization anytime soon. 
That's fair enough. Um, and I, I don't think he should be. You know, every coach has a bad season here or there. And for Vermees, there's been so much success and trophies and, um, you know, getting to the top levels that he could uh, potentially get to that I think it would be a mistake to can him after one year because I think he's been good enough. And, you know, I think definitely been good enough over a longer period of time to warrant, you know, at least a little bit of like, hey, let, let's give him one. Um you know, obviously, if this persists into next year and further on, then maybe you're going to start to see the repercussions of that. But I think for Vermees, we need to give him another year. Um, Andres, I I think the story of this game, besides the Sporting KC aspect, because that kind of is what it is, is Blanco has a, I mean, a breakout game, really, if we're going to say, you know, after the injury, this is his, you know, this is his big pop-out um, game so far. Uh, Nathan, uh, his first MLS start, and, you know, the success, two goals, um, basically everything that Portland could have hoped for in an attack they got from this game. Obviously, seven goals isn't sustainable. Um, but do you see the makings of something, you know, good here, the makings of something that could, you know, challenge for some of the higher end playoff spots? Or do you think they're just going to kind of be, you know, five, six, seven, um, kind of the way we saw it before this game? So so I think I'm I'm higher on Portland than in most people and it's because of things like this weekend um one one person nobody's mentioned so far and i think played a huge role was eric williamson this week um he looked healthy and fit pretty much for the first time this i think is his third or fourth game back um and he played really really well um and if if we think back to before the injury, he was right on the on the verge of that national team call up, um, and was really playing really really high level soccer. And part of the Cup final, right? Yeah, right, exactly. And and if you look at you know what this Portland team is with a healthy Blanco and a healthy Williamson, um, they haven't had that through the first. Um, eight games of the year and when they have those two guys um, firing this is the type of result that you can get we saw them do it to Salt Lake last year where they put six on them um, you know Yimmy Chara is now settled and in, into year three they didn't have Nizgoda but Fogata seems like like a good player we'll see how how that translates longer term but but I like Portland and I I thought that the first couple games or the first you know month and a half of the season wasn't really representative and and i have them as a top four five team in the west um definitely um you know competing for a home game if blanco stays healthy um and he looked healthy this week uh he's gonna be 35 pretty soon um so you know you got to be careful with him but if, if those two guys are healthy then this team can can really roll yeah, I agree. Um, again, Blanco, people said in the past, uh, and I'll say it again, it, it he is the key to all things Portland's success. Portland can be a really good team. I think Portland could probably you know make a run in the playoffs without Sebastian Blanco if everybody's healthy. With Sebastian Blanco, he alone, I think, makes them an MLS Cup contender. Um, he He's one of the best players in the league, if not the best, when he's healthy. We have yet to see that for really uh, extended periods of time, um, like really extended periods of time, like full seasons. But, uh, you know, hopefully from this point forward, he's able to use this game as a catalyst, as a jumping off point. 
um, to better things. Obviously, Eric Williamson, so glad that he's back. Hopefully, he stays healthy, too, because he's he's a really great young player. People forget, like I was saying, um, big contributor in the Gold Cup, started the Gold Cup final, um, if I'm remembering correctly, and you know his contributions in that tournament and to Portland uh, can't be overstated. So if he's able to stay healthy and um, uh, contribute on the field, he's an absolute baller. So him back, uh, and I think Portland can be super excited about what they've got uh, going forward because, you know, with Blanco back and with those guys back, it's basically the same team that started the MLS Cup final, um, minus uh, Felipe Mora. But you, you still got Perez, the Chara brothers, right? You, you got the full thing. Um, oh, and Steve Clark, of course. Uh, but, you know, you got basically that full starting lineup. And so they were, with the players that they were able to bring back, you'd hope uh, for their sake that, you know, they're able to start to replicate some of that success this year. Um, let, let's move on. I think we've covered that game basically to the extent that we want um, without getting too up or down in either of those two teams. Because I think in all fairness, you know, it's a little bit of an outlier, but in many cases, and a little bit not as well, right? If we talk about the expected outcome, probably a Portland win, the actual outcome may be slightly inflated. But uh, let's let's move to L.A. The uh, the nightcap for Saturday night was the Galaxy and FC Dallas. And uh, this might be the worst 20 to 25 minutes for the Galaxy uh, to, um, all year, maybe, uh, as FC Dallas put up three within 25 minutes. Uh, the USMNT coming through for them. Ferreira gets two, puts them on nine for the year. Uh, Areola also uh, gets a goal and has the F Cancer shirt, which I loved as well. Um, a, a solid performance for Dallas, especially through the first, you know, 25 minutes. Galaxy were able to get a goal back, uh, a beautiful goal, I think, from uh, Douglas Costa, but not really enough. Um, I, I, I think this game's an outlier. I think the Galaxy will normally play better at home than they did the, uh, in this game. I think this game's, uh, what it says more to me is that Dallas is legit. Dallas is a contender, and they will be there right to the end, um, even through the playoffs. John did you get that same takeaway? And also we can continue the Jesus Ferreira love, you know, he he's as legit as it gets in this league. Yeah. Jesus Ferreira keeps um, proving the doubters wrong. I think anyone that had questions about whether or not he needs to be the number nine for the U S men's national team. I, I, I've struggled to think of anyone else in better form in the moment than, than him. Um, yeah. I mean, this was not a good game for the galaxy. Um, I, I think that their defense at times struggled with some of the runs that Ferreira made. Um, and uh, yeah, it's surprising though, because the Galaxy have, have, have been good over the last couple of weeks. And so um, to see them struggle sort of defensively is definitely uh, different. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, it, it'd be interesting to see if this is an outlier or it's, it's hard to know. Is this, is this a fluke game or is is Dallas really flying that high? Like, are, do we need to be thinking more highly of Dallas? It's tough to know. I, I'm kind of with you on this is the game that kind of proves the case for Dallas. This is far and away their best uh, 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 solution to the season. I, I, I need, I'd have to go back and look. Um, but this is, this is the the best game that they've had in my in my eyes 
this uh, for them to go out to really contain some of the attacking threat that the galaxy has um, and to really come through big in that attack. Um, you're you're right to say that, you know, not only was it the USMNT guys, but it's the USMNT system. Um, and so seeing that really carry forward gives me a lot of optimism for both uh, Ferreira and uh, Ariola to have really strong systems. Um, for the Galaxy, a, a little bit of concern. I still think they need to get some more impact off the wing, which is weird to say when Douglas Costa is starting for them, but he just hasn't quite figured it out yet. Um, I, you know, Grancier, Cabral, there's talent in there, but they need to start performing up to that talent. Um, so I'm both these teams, I think are certainly playoff teams. Um, but I'm significantly higher on, on Dallas than I was five days ago. It's it's also worth mentioning that Dallas absolutely shot out of the gate in this game. They they got the first three goals within like the first twenty five minutes, something crazy. And so I you know, it it's it's tough to sort of pin this down and say that the Galaxy is a bad team or, or doubt when when you have sort of that strong of an outpouring of goals and, and I feel similarly about um the Portland game we just discussed, there sometimes become comes a point where you go, Man, were the was that just a really good 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes for, for the club, right? And it's hard to know exactly how much to take away uh, from those moments. But it's also hard not to infer something from it because it did happen and it does count, right? So, um, I mean, I, I struggle in moments like this because, I mean, that was the case in the Portland-Kansas uh, City game where there was like 12 minutes of like four insane goals, right? Like, what do you make of such an outpouring of goals? Is that just the quality of the side? Is that the mentality of the side? Is that a... Uh, a lapse in judgment by the defense it's it's tough to know I, I think in this case um i think paul Ariola has really transformed this team and i i think it's a real statement to how high they're flying at this point i i am not a hundred percent sold but I, but i think if if i were if i were either buying or selling dallas stock right now i think i think it'd be safe to say that that i would want to be buying dallas stock i think i think they're they're going places yeah, Andres, I think it, I, oh, go ahead, Matt. I, I was going to say, I think that in, in the case of, you know, a really, really good performance and what you can take away, you look for what's repeatable. And looking at um, Ferreira's two goals, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the expected goals uh, map coming from uh, MLSsoccer.com. Um, it's about 0.8 and then right about like 0.9 for his two goals for expected goals. That's repeatable. That shows that the system is working and that they're finishing easy chances. And that's going to be what you're going to be excited about from a, a, a performance like this. I'll take, I'll take the more negative side on, on this one because the reason they were such easy chances was because there was some pretty catastrophic mistakes from the Galaxy early on. The, the biggest improvement I've seen from LA this year has been, you know, not turning the ball over in dangerous spots, not getting beat in transition, and they did that three or four times in a row in the first 20 minutes, um, and that led to these, you know, breakaways the other way. Where, where? Let's give credit on this side to Dallas, um, the guys that they have, specifically Pomical, Ariola, and Ferreira, are built to take advantage of those mistakes and punish them the other way, and they did a really great job of it. 
Um, but this was a, a disaster class from, from the back line and the midfield of, of LA. And then they calmed down. Um, but even then, they, you know, they got opened up a few more times later on. Um, you know, I wasn't on last week, um, but if I was, one of my stories of the week last week was Chase Gasper, um, you know, coming back from, from some issues off the field and and coming back into the league off the bench for for the galaxy and i thought that was you know it made me really happy to to see him back back on the field um but this was his first start and because raheem edwards was out for this game and he you know fortunately he he got pretty well burned um a couple times uh, on that left side for for the galaxy and, and then there was a couple of, of mistakes with the ball also so in terms of you know kind of it was a, a kind of a a perfect storm of what went wrong for la playing right into what dallas does does well um so is this a, a long-term trend for the galaxy i hope i hope not um from dallas i think the big improvement's been you know how much better they are defensively this year uh, and having those those three guys you know areola and pomical healthy and areola on the team um you know, it, it helps them. It helps them up front also. So, this was my sort of result of the week in terms of going on the road against what I think is a pretty good Galaxy team this year and getting a big three points. Yeah, I. You were talking about the uh, the defensive uh, side of things. I think one thing that you you're right you can't you know disagree with Andre. I, I don't think that you said this. That's not my point. But I I think one of the things that like you can't necessarily do is separate. Um, the opinion of the team, or like you were saying, John, you know, twenty-five minutes or whatever. You you can't separate those twenty-five minutes from the I don't even know, right? Couple hundred that have preceded uh this season. You you can't separate that context, and that context has also been extremely positive for Dallas. So I think when you put together, re- uh, you know, not really necessarily reproducible stretch, you know, n- not not. Reproducible chances, yes, but you know you're not going to score three and twenty five in every game that you play. But you put it on with a team that has been doing extremely well with really good attackers so far, Andres. I, I think we can agree with when you put that in the context of the fuller scope of Dallas this season. It's nothing but positivity and nothing but bullishness on what it's going to be. You know, moving forward, right? Yeah, and I think they're a, I think they're probably a playoff team, which they weren't last year. Actually, they were pretty pretty near the bottom last year, um, and I think that that again is is you added a high quality player in Ariola. You have uh, you basically added a high quality player that you didn't have last year in Pomico, and you have a good defensive structure this year, um, and and pretty solid goalkeeping, which was a problem at times um, before. So yeah, overall better uh, like i said a couple a couple weeks ago but you know if, if you ask me which team finishes higher if portland or dallas i'm still probably taking portland i'm, I'm kind of interested do you think that part of that defensive stability is coming from basically swapping with lafc uh hollingshead and farfan yeah i, I was actually thinking this week because i thought they'd take a step back because because i think hollingshead is a really good player um so i'm i'm actually surprised that they're better um, this year defensively than they were last year. I, I don't think it's a far fun for Hollingshead thing. I think, uh, you know, Hedges and Martinez 
have been really solid. Solid. Martinez didn't play this week. It was Tafori. Um, but, but if I remember right, Hedges was out for most of last season, um, and you know he's a solid um, MLS veteran. And I think also you know being able to press with Ariola um, with. Ferreira, who's pretty good at, uh, off the ball as well, also helps kind of shore up. I, I, I don't know if, you know, the Farfan Hollingshead thing is such a big difference in defense. I would have thought they would have been worse going forward um, without Hollingshead because he's such a good player coming, coming forward. Um, but yeah, it, it surprised me, honestly. I think that's the reason that I ask. Like, I, uh, Hollingshead was responsible for so much of generating the attack for Dallas that I think that sometimes it took him out of that defensive shape. So maybe having a little bit of that separation, I'd have to go back and see a little bit more of, of exactly where Farfan is getting into, but I feel like that's, that's something that I want to take a look at. Yeah, you, you might be right. I'd have to, I also have to look at it. Um, Cause I, I haven't, I haven't specifically analyzed where, what what places on the field Farfan's going in the offensive portion of the game? But yeah, yeah, it's a good point. You might be right. I I think at the end of the day, you know, positivity for Dallas, and I I don't think you can read too much in this result for the Galaxy because like we've talked about some of the earlier games, sometimes it just happens. Sometimes you know it just happens when you plug in a new left back who you know is one of the most talented left backs in the league sometimes especially after the offseason that he's had thankfully he's back now and hopefully those you know kind of the problems that have limited him so far uh this year are you know completely behind him he can move forward um sometimes there are going to be growing pains there i think the galaxy kind of experienced that but again they weren't without chances either you know chicharito had a couple chances that maybe on a different day he buries and it's three three but, you know, I think the way that they did it, uh, in, in such a short, short time span, I think, uh, what was it, like 11 minutes maybe from first goal to last goal uh, for Dallas, um, that that is going to be something that, you know, Dallas fans are going to remember for quite some time. And, you know, rightfully so. Uh, rightfully, uh, rightfully so. Yeah, um, and it wasn't just Chicharito. Uh, thanks for pointing out, Andres. It was, you know, that, that entire front four, which sometimes is firing on all cylinders and sometimes seems to be converting every chance under the sun. Sometimes it just doesn't happen, and I think it was just kind of one of those games for uh, the Galaxy, but, you know, they'll move on to bigger and better things as well, and yeah. uh, they're one of the best teams in MLS, regardless of this result I'll, I'll for Dallas. Say, I'll say this, you totally. yeah, so I, I think I think you're probably right in, t- in that, you know, this is probably an aberration in terms of result. I don't think they're going to make the same catastrophic defensive errors or or giving the ball away in, in bad areas. They They've proven over the course of the year so far to not do that. But I will say this about the Galaxy. If you look at their last few games in MLS play, you have one goal this week, a set-piece goal. You had the one goal in the fifth minute last week, which is a banger from Delgado, definitely not repeatable. You had the you had a, a shutout against, the, against Salt Lake. You had a 89th minute goal against Jovalich, um, for Jovalich against Nashville. And you got shut out by the fire. So since El Trafico, that's zero one zero one one. They're not scoring a bunch of goals. Not like they were at the beginning of the year. Um and they're not creating a ton of chances either. So you know you guys mentioned it earlier about the 
Chris Costa and uh, Kevin Cabral, they've really got to start producing some more chances and producing some more goals um, because it can't be all Chicharito. Right now, he hasn't scored in about five or six games. Um, and if he's not scoring, they got to find goals elsewhere. So that is a little bit more concerning for me from, from the Galaxy. Okay. I, I, I'll get on board with that. I think it is one of those things where Sometimes you have like slumps isn't just one or two games. It's three games, four games. You know, we saw that with Cassianos last year. I was like, I, what was it? It was a, almost like 10 games or something without scoring um, and ends up winning the golden boot. So, you know, I am with you and I get that. I, I think when you have a striker like Chicharito um, proven the way he is, I, I think a lot of those chances and, you know, the, that the attacking situation is going to get solved. I think it also is testament to their defense so far this season that they've held up the way they did, that you can score, you know, one goal a game basically for the last month and a lot of those be wins, you know. Um, I think that says something about it too, uh, something about the team as well. Um, two of those games in the Open Cup, by the way, but, you know, uh, even disregarding Open Cup, um, they've scored, uh, let me see, uh one goal, zero goals, one goal, one goal. Yeah, in MLS play um, in the last month. And two of those games have been wins and two of them have been losses. So it's like, it's not even that bad, even though they haven't been scoring a ton of goals. Um, and that's testament to the defense that stepped up uh, big time this year so far. But yeah, uh, final score in that one in LA, Galaxy 1, Dallas 3. And last game of the weekend I want to touch on before we can hit um, quickly on some of the midweek games that we're excited about starting um tonight we're recording this wednesday um and those should be a lot of fun so in colorado a rematch in the uh between the first match of the season for these teams in which lafc won three nil in la this time it was colorado um in a somewhat surprise result because we're talking about the best team in the league in lafc and yet colorado defending their home turf uh two nil uh via two penalties um one of them uh, went to VAR, and I, I think it was given initially and still given, I believe. Um, I might be wrong on that, but yeah, uh, two penalties, one converted by Jassy Zardes for his first uh, Rapids goal, um, one converted by Diego Rubio 11 minutes later, and that was all she wrote. Uh, I think for LAFC, um, you know, a little bit concerning that there wasn't a ton that was produced in this game was a pretty choppy game. I think for Colorado, um, we were mentioning it in the pre, uh, pre-show, you know, short, short rest. Um, the weird uh, weather situation meant they were playing this really on two days rest. And they come out and they win um, by two goals. Uh, Matt, do you, I think this says more about Colorado and, um, you know, potentially uh, sets them up for better things ahead, especially with, you know, both their strikers getting on the board. Yeah, I think that there's, from a Colorado perspective, a lot to like here. Um, looking at the the two penalties that they were able to draw, uh, one of them, I believe it was the um, the penalty for Rubio's goal, was a little bit soft in my opinion, but again, you finish the chances that are in front of you. And then they were really able to limit big opportunities for LAFC. Uh, I don't really remember seeing... Vela have many of those really, really big moments where he's running directly at the back line. Uh, Arango had a couple of, of good looks, but nothing very, very significant. 
And then I think the biggest thing is Colorado won the midfield battle here. Um, Run a little bit at Janela, who I think struggled a little bit this time around. And then um, Kellen Acosta just was a little bit passive for this time around for me. So I think Colorado definitely happy to go ahead and take the better of this matchup. But uh, I'm still thinking that LAFC is going to be right up there. Uh, They just need to figure out what to do when they can't quite make everything click. Yeah, I I think this was a, you know, not everything clicking for LAFC. game where Colorado was always going to try and muddy it up because when LAFC gets in that free-flowing style, um, they're really hard to beat. Um, and basically nobody's done it so far when they really, really, you know, get into sync with each other. Um, extremely hard to stop. But, you know, John, I think the the real contrast is in the first game of the season, which was basically dominated by LAFC from front to back, compared to this one, which was, you know... I'd say slightly more contested. It wasn't so one-sided, but Colorado um, came out the victors this time and a much more um, positive result for them. Do you think it's, you know, something's changed from the start of the season to now when Colorado didn't have the best of starts? Or do you think this is more just, you know, one of those, you know, results that happens because it's a home game in MLS, you know, and that's kind of all there is to look into it? I mean, I I think undoubtedly Colorado has a a strong um, home field advantage. I think that with that altitude that's pretty undeniable but i i i would sort of say that i think at this point my understanding of colorado is is that they under robin fraser have have really become a force to be reckoned with um you know finishing the top of the west last year and honestly looking quite good this year and so i i i think it is tempting to sort of um blame this game on maybe the absence of um, LASC effort, but I think it's probably worth mentioning that uh, while if you're an LAFC fan, these these penalties probably would be very frustrating. They were with the run of play. Um, the Rapids certainly looked like the better team through the first 20-25 minutes, and um, while it's kind of hard to ever say a penalty is earned, um, some of these did feel more earned than others. There was one that maybe felt a little softer, but um, so I I think. I think for me, this game is, is two just really good teams. Um, I think the way Colorado likes to play, once they got ahead two goals, they just kind of parked the bus and um, you know got 10 to 11 men behind the ball and, and said, see if you can break us down. And I think LAFC struggled to do that in the altitude. And um, <clears throat> So I, I don't know if I would say you know, this game is a statement, a strong statement about any of the two teams' character in truth. Um, I think both of these two teams are going to be the top of the West. I think whenever these teams play, regardless of where they play, um, you know, it's going to be a dogfight. And I think in this particular instance, the penalties changed the game and pretty heavily in Colorado's favor. And they, in turn, capitalized um, by sitting behind the ball and saying, okay, we've been given this gift. Um, Come take it away from us. So um, I really like Robin Fraser. I think he's an up-and-coming coach in this league. I think what he's done with that team is, is extraordinary. Um, I'd love to see what he does with maybe a, a more high-spending high league, a team in the league. Um, but yeah, I, I truthfully think that um, this Colorado team is a, is, is a good squad. I think Robin Fraser is a great coach. And um, I think that this is a fair result amongst two really good teams. I want to just kind of reinforce one thing that you said there in that Colorado going up early gave them the ability to go ahead and absorb pressure and 
they are so, so good at doing that. And I, you're 100% right to bring up the fact that it's because they're such a well-coached team. I think that that's going to be something that teams are going to have to look at for going forward. They cannot let Colorado open the scoring of this match because um, it's going to be really difficult to break down that low-line block. Um, I also want to say awesome to see Jossie get on the scoreboard. I, I think he still has a massive role to play within Major League Soccer maybe on the outskirts of the national team. Uh, really, really great to see him starting to settle in in Colorado. Especially since he got thrown under the bus on the way out. Absolutely. He, de- he yes. deserves success out there. I mean, he's such a nice guy. You hear from everybody, like, how just genuine he is. You know, it's one of those things where he's a guy who just wants success for because he just seems to be one of those guys that just lifts everybody up, and those are the guys you tend to root for. Um. I love Giassi. Uh, I think that sometimes he gets unfairly treated. Um, I think him getting on the score sheet is going to do massive stuff for his confidence just because, you know, it's hard to move, get out there midseason, already have an established striker in Rubio. Um, but, you know, they found a way for them to both play. I think that's good. He comes in, he gets his goal via penalty. Um, and, you know, solid enough. Uh, and uh, his new team uh, gets... The win, uh, Andres, do you want to touch on this game just a little bit, um, maybe even from the, uh, the LAFC standpoint? Actually, I was going to mention, you mentioned you talked about earlier about how the first game of the year was a LAFC 3-0 win and maybe what was different this time from, from that time. just want to point out that that first game, we talk about CCL hangovers all the time, and that was, a, that was three days after Colorado lost in penalties in a, sto- in a snowstorm to Comunicaciones and LAFC, you know, then they had to travel to LAFC, which was, you know, obviously amped up for their first game. So there, you know, some mitigating circumstances there. And and likewise, this, this game, LAFC has to travel after a midweek game in the Open Cup, albeit, you know, Colorado also played in the Open Cup. But, you know, sometimes when, when we get into this portion of the season with this schedule congestion, you have to take into into account who's traveling, um, who's coming off of a long travel and so on. And I think that, you know, plays a role into it. And also from a from a Colorado standpoint, it seems like Robin Frazier's intent on playing Rubio as sort of a attacking midfielder type. He he did it in a four four three three a couple weeks ago. Um, and this time he played, you know, with Lewis up top next to next to Zardes and, and Rubio underneath. So I'm really interested to see kind of where where that goes going forward, since he's always kind of played at this, as this lone nine, and he's playing a different role now uh, since Zardes has come in, trying to keep them on the field at the same time. It'll be interesting. Yeah, no, um, uh, that's a great point on the CCL hangover. I think that's absolutely a necessary point to bring up. I completely forgot about that. That was a crazy game, um, the home leg against Comunicaciones. Uh, that was a big letdown for them, but you know, happy to see that they've rebounded because you know, coming off of that number one seed in the West, um, it's important. It, it's you know very important for them to follow it up with something. Um, doesn't have to be as good. You know, it's hard to be number one, but to be you know somewhere in the mix, uh, contending in the playoffs because uh, the way that you know they were number one and then uh, followed by getting knocked out in the manner that they did with that late goal versus Portland definitely left a sour taste. So uh, glad that they're back this year. Um, with, you know, some of those guys that we talked about, like Giassi and um, uh, some of those guys, you know, 
getting ingratiated now. It's, it's a big deal. And hopefully, you know, they're able to channel that success moving forward. Um, for LAFC, uh, you know, those games happened. Um, it was a weird game. Uh, they're still top of MLS on 23 points. Uh, Dallas on 22 points is number two in the full table in the entire league, I mean. Um, and Austin FC, Montreal, Orlando, and Philadelphia all kind of tied for third um, on 20 points. So the Texas I do, do want to have our top. weekly... Go ahead, uh, go ahead, John, sorry. I said I do want to have our weekly check-in on Austin because we have checked in on Austin every week. And I just want to, I just want to, you know, how did Austin do this week? You know, they've been in some uh, recent, more difficult uh, games. Um, uh, you, you caught, you um, found me out. Uh, yeah, Austin lost uh, 2-1 after being up 1-0 at Real Salt Lake. Now, I think uh, in large part that was helped due to the red card um, to uh, Pereira in the 47th minute. Uh Alex Ring opened the scoring. Pereira uh, got the red card uh, just after halftime. Straight red. Um, great call uh, for, uh, I think it was the last man foul. Uh, dog, so red card. And after that, it was basically all uh, Real Salt Lake. Uh, they grabbed two goals, including an absolute stunner from uh, Andrew Brody, his first MLS goal I saw, uh, to win it in, 88 minute, uh, in the 88th minute. And... Um, Real Salt Lake continues their impressive start to the season for Austin. It's a loss that still keeps them, guys, tied for third in the entire league. It's nothing but good times right now for Austin. No, um, I, I think that they could have played better in this game. I think it's hard to go on the road to Real Salt Lake and get a result, especially the way that Real Salt Lake's playing. And they almost did. Now, Real Salt Lake is also on 19 points, right, just behind them uh, in the table. So we're talking about two really good teams, in my opinion. Um, but for Real Salt Lake, I think this was a solid game. And by the way, McMath made a couple saves, uh, toward the end of the game, uh, to preserve that three points that, you know, those are some unbelievable saves. But if anybody wants to touch on Austin, um, you can, uh, before we move on, I appreciate John, you calling me out for not including them in the rundown, though there was some intent behind that. Look, look, we don't have to talk about it. I just I just wanted to check. Just wanted to, I just wanted to know how they did this week. I didn't I had no idea they lost. No idea at all. Does that mean that I get to check in on on one of our other uh fun bets for the season? How's Cincinnati looking, huh? I love Cincinnati, man. I, I saw um you know, people are slowly coming to the realization that Cincinnati's an actual player right now. They're they're quite legit, I think. Um Fourth in the East and one point off the top. Uh, boy, went away to Chicago last weekend. Right, yeah. uh, Lucho Acosta is looking to really, really make a run at uh, at the MVP this year. Uh, they are continue to be playing out of their minds, and uh, still a lot of fun to watch for some people who might have spoken too soon and said that they're definitely going to make it to the playoffs. Hey, I I always believed in Cincinnati. Always. Never once did I doubt uh, Brandon Vasquez and Lucho Acosta and company. But no, uh, Vasquez didn't score in this one, but he's been on an absolute tear, as you guys probably know recently. Um, he didn't score in this one, didn't score in the Open Cup match versus New England in the midweek. But before that, it was a goal uh, last weekend. No. so No, no, sorry. Yeah, uh, not 
this last Saturday, but the Saturday before that, the fifth uh, or the seventh of May, sorry, uh, he got a goal. Um, in the midweek before that, he got an assist. Uh, it's already impressive so far this year. He's uh, started ten um, with six goals and two assists. So he's been um, one of the better players in the league. Lucho Acosta, one been one of the better players in the league. Uh, Cincinnati, one of the better stories because uh, the comeback from Spoon to beginning of the year, the way it went, kind of not you know looking like potential Spoon again, and the absolute resurgence uh, in in the early season, um, winning just an absolute boatload of games in the last month or so. Uh, really starting with an open cup match. I'm looking back versus Riverhounds. They lost versus LAFC. And after that, it was win, 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 loss, and a win. So Cincinnati not looking too bad, you know. Uh, five no, I, wins I hate, out of their last seven. I hate to be and, the, the, the negative sc- schedule guy. No. Again. As it's clear that I am I was that guy for Austin, I'm going to be that guy for, for Cincinnati. Their next five are New England, Montreal, Philadelphia, Orlando, New York City. If after or win as yeah, Philly, after the, if after those five games they are still uh, in and around the top five of the East, um, then not only will I be surprised, but then I'll be much more of a of a believer. I think that's you know even after that it's another New England Red Bulls before they before they kind of drop off in terms of you know kind of quality of opponent. I think we're gonna, we're about to learn a lot about Cincinnati and whether this is for real or not. Let's talk at the end of June. Um, and if they're there, then then I'll come around. But I'm not there yet. We're we're penciling that one in on the calendar right now. Hey. Look, I'm not saying that Andres just gave uh, them the kiss of death and said that they have some imp- impending doom coming. But it sure sounds like he said they better watch out over these next five games because there's an impending doom coming. It's gonna that too. It's gonna be tough. It, it, it's gonna be tougher. Let's see. Not not saying it's impossible, I, I, but it's it's about to I'll get a little that. tougher. I'll buy, I'll buy that. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Maybe not one point off the top, but hey, um, with them being informed, the strikers uh, and the attack being informed the way it is, I I have higher hopes than I think I ever have for this franchise, and deservedly so. And they've proved it so far in the results. So we'll see. Um, quickly, uh, one minute. Is there a game that you guys wanted to touch on? Um, a specific game that we didn't get to from this last weekend before we uh, briefly detail uh, the slate of matches tonight. Andres, I'll start with you. And so I made Vancouver San Jose a priority for me this weekend. I'm not sure why that that you know that was kind of my thought process, and I'm really glad I did because it became a super uh, typical chaotic MLS game in the second half, um, which ended up three to three, um, and I think. In this game, you saw a lot of why those teams uh, tend to be towards the bottom of the table. Um, you also saw what happens when you have some pretty good attacking pieces uh, playing against um, the not the most organized uh, back lines or, or structured teams. Uh, once again, you saw you know Jeremy Obobese is a really good player, um, and I, I think we saw with you know. Espinoza and Kate Cowell and Jamiro Montero, you know, kind of what that San Jose attack can be because they, they could have had way more than three goals. Um, and Cavallini probably had his best game as a, as a white cap. Um, so it ended up being super entertaining, super fun to watch. Um, you know, probably not altering what, you know, MLS hierarchy is going to be, you know, long term. But yeah, just fun, just fun soccer and, and, 
cool game to 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 take in. Yeah, John. Um, was there a match that you saw that you liked as well? Yeah, I think I would say uh, the only other thing that I would highlight that we maybe haven't touched on this week is that Toronto has continued their five game slide and they dropped uh, three points to Orlando at home. And um, at this point in the season, um, they are just not looking good. Um, having lost to Orlando, having lost to Vancouver, Cincinnati twice, um, it, it certainly is looking like they are scrambling for answer, answers up there uh, in Canada. And um, for good reason. So uh, they need, Bob Bradley need, really needs to figure out what's going on over there and uh, stop the bleeding because losing five games in a row is rough. So, And Matt. One minute or less, game that you saw this weekend that you liked. I'll swing us over to the other side of the Canadian Classique and say, hey, I love that we've, we've got to all hit on uh, Canadian teams here. Montreal continues a really, really positive start to the season. Uh, we're starting to see some really uh, a great case for Georgi Mihailovic. Uh, I'm hope, really hoping that he's going to be part of the uh, June camp. And um, I think... Looking forward, there's even more reason for Montreal fans to be excited because they're going to get Mason Toy back pretty soon here, and I think that he's probably their highest end or, or um, highest value add striker at the moment. So, seeing what he is going to be for them this season is going to be a lot of fun. Two uh, two nil win away to Charlotte this weekend. Yeah, um, uh, Montreal. Yeah, top of the East, um, looking good uh, right now. And obviously, Georgie, hoping for that national team call-up. We kind of all are for him. He's such a good player. Uh, but yeah, all over the pitch, they are talented and deserving of you know the success they've had so far this season. I will spend my minute or less on Houston and Nashville, the one game that we didn't uh, touch on that was, you know, contained uh, goals. And, you know, even still right now, uh, Houston, not terrible. Uh uh, they're still above the playoff line. All three Texas teams that we were talking about, the teams that made up the bottom of the table in the West last season, uh, all three above the playoff line. Houston in six on 15 points. Nashville also on 15 points. So um, Nashville's in eighth. They're just losing out in the goal difference battle as of now. But in this one, uh, really highlighted that um, the admiration I have for Houston is that you know they clearly want to keep the ball, and they tried to keep the ball and were successful in it. Um, at home versus Nashville. Now they did get a red card um, early enough in the second half. I, second half, it might have been like just before the end of the first half. I forget, but um, that you know threw a wrench in the system. But uh, Quintero, uh, game, I think mm, he might have won the penalty. It might have been Picot, uh, but he converted it. Uh, beautiful pen um, that put them two 0 up after uh, fifty three minutes, um, and they really carried it the rest of the way. Nashville. I love them, but when they don't seem to grab a like we were talking about the union, with the union, a lot of high quality chances. So, and when they do, they're such a dangerous team because they can defend so well. But uh, Coco Carasquia got a goal. Um, I love him, and yeah, Cantero from the penalty spot was good enough to see them uh, fly over in Nashville and uh, jump right back above the playoff line. Yeah, uh, Lundqvist with a red card on 35 minutes, and I thought at that point it was going to be okay. Here we go, Nashville's gonna grab a goal defend gonna you know find a way to get another one but hey um kudos to houston uh two no winners at home and it sets up for i don't know i don't think they're a playoff team but hey they're one of the more interesting teams especially given their uh you know comeback i guess after last season um 
And that's kind of all we got for this last weekend of games. Uh, last thing I want to do this week is I want to flash forward um, to this next, uh, or tonight's games, uh, the midweek games. And uh, John, you're making me laugh because you said something in the chat. Do you want to say that on the pod, please? Yeah, with all of the stuff we've been talking tonight, man, watch, watch Austin take three points away from LAFC tonight, man. Uh, I, I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I'm just saying that it would be ironic given everything we've said. Man, if that happened, I would go absolutely crazy. Andres, I don't see that happening, but I think this is probably the game of the night, you know? Uh, first in the entire league versus second in the entire league. I mean, there's not much, not much more you could say than that, right? And so much depends on these midweek games and with... Who decides to rotate and, and what managers, you know, can try to save some players. So far, you know, the, the lineups that I'm seeing coming out seems like pretty much um, all six teams that I've, that I've checked from these games starting in about 20 minutes are basically playing pretty much their first choice lineups. So if that's the case, then, yeah, I think you've got to go with, with Austin and, and LAFC as, as probably the top match. Although it's it's difficult, there you know at this point there's so many games that you know are critical for for continuing momentum. You, we just touched on on Houston and Seattle. Both teams just got really good um, wins. Um, Seattle kind of getting their season started. Um, Houston getting a much needed home win uh, against uh, a good team that I, I still think is a good team in Nashville. You know that's an interesting game. Um, Portland, can they keep that high-flying momentum against San Jose, who typically leaks goals? Um, but yeah, I think you're right. LAFC Austin is probably the biggest game, although I'm pretty confident in, a, in an LAFC win here. So yeah, let's see how let's see what happens. Maybe maybe I'll be completely wrong and, and shocked by tomorrow morning. Yeah, I mean we'll see. I I, I lied. I said Austin's second in the entire league. That actually goes to Dallas, um, who got that three points at the weekend. They take on Vancouver, um, in uh Vancouver tonight. So the, Vancouver being the bottom of the entire league table, uh, Dallas should be looking to take three from that one. That one's at ten tonight. Um, I Galaxy, uh, the team who Dallas beat. Uh, going to Minnesota. That's an interesting game, Matt. Do you want to touch on that one a little bit and the implications for both teams? Yeah, uh, two teams that are hoping to kind of do a little bit of figuring uh, themselves out. Um, I really am going to be interested to see what the Galaxy does to go ahead and really tighten up uh, on on their passing, making sure that they're still um, not giving or not shipping chances, like we talked about earlier. And then um, really create some some good chances, uh, and I think that they can do that against a Minnesota team that's struggled defensively pretty significantly. Um, I also think that this is probably going to be a, a game where, if Minnesota can, they might be able to generate a little bit of attacking momentum and start to change some of those uh, those passes through Reynoso. It's going to be an interesting team or an interesting match. And I'm I'm hoping that they can iron out some of the issues because I think that this is an opportunity for both those teams to do that. Yeah, um, 100%. I think uh, for the Galaxy, it's going to be interesting because, you know, at home you definitely say them, but Minnesota is a great place to play um, for the home side. Great fan base with the Wonderwall. 
Um, can they get uh, the three points and, you know, start to put that season back on track? Um, for uh, your Seattle Sounders, uh, John, it is the third trip already to Texas this year as they take on Houston. Um, what do you see coming out of this one? Do you see Seattle continuing their impressive run or that Houston team that I just talked about, you know, maybe grabbing another surprise three points? Yeah, I think it depends on the, the lineup Schmitzer puts out. Um, I think um, Schmitzer has been really, really um, conscientious of injuries, especially with uh, Ladero getting up there in age. Um, and he, he's had a tendency to be really protective in these midweek games. He's had a, a really big propensity to uh, roll out some um, rotated lineups, um, I think partially because he trusts the young bucks, but also because I think he just is afraid of injury. Um, and so I, I think that that really does have a part to play. Um, I don't know what lineup he's going to put out, but um, I, I would foresee that really telling uh, how this game's going to go. If, if it's a younger type team, I see Seattle sitting back, trying to invite Houston to attack and maybe try and score late with some veterans being subbed in. I think if they start a first, uh, you know, a first choice lineup, I, I think it means... Uh, that they're really trying to get points here as opposed to Sunday. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. I, I anticipate this being a pretty low-scoring affair, probably a 1-0 type thing, either to Houston or to Seattle. Um, and I, I think probably at the end of the day, I give it to, to the home team, although I, you know, I want my boys to pull it out for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I just want to say I this is... surprised either way, by the way. Uh, Matt, what were you, you going to say? I was just going to say, this is quietly my, my match of the midweek. I think that... Um... Houston is doing some pretty exciting stuff. I'm so happy to see Paulo Nagamura doing well in that in that new position. Um, and Houston did the absolute right thing uh, and got Coco Kersky on permanently. So uh, a lot's like in that match. I'm I'm really interested to see how that one shakes out. Yeah, a hundred percent. That one was super intriguing when I saw that one as well. And Andres, quickly, do you want to touch on? Um... Nashville hosting Montreal. Um, though that's a, another pretty big game, I'd say, especially uh, given that Montreal's vaulted themselves to the top of the East. Yeah, and given that Nashville is probably needing some some points, um, I think most of us were pretty high on Nashville coming into the season, given you know what they did last year and everybody they they brought back, and even how they started on the road, and it just hasn't really been working uh, recently. So they're they're looking for. For a turnaround and, you know, midweek at home um, is a good spot, but they're playing against a Montreal team that's been really hot and, and playing really well. So, yeah, I think you're right. This is this is an important game. I think more so for Nashville than for Montreal. For Montreal, I think if you can get, you know, anything out of this game and keep your momentum going, you're happy. But if you're Nashville, you're really looking for for a victory to, to turn around and, and get that momentum back. So, yeah, big game, especially for the home team here. Yeah, I think that's uh, all I really want to touch on in the midweek. Thank you guys um, for all those uh, breakdowns. Thank you guys for uh, hopping on with me for another pod. Uh, enjoy um, tonight's games, everyone. Um, there's going to be a lot of good ones. Um, enjoy the next weekend of action, too, because, again, there should be some good ones in there, too. As we really enter, you know, you know, really next month, uh, summer, but... You know, those midweek games, the dog days really start now. Um, as, you know, we were touching on the fact uh, before we came on that, you know, it's not not as many midweek games this year. And, you know, probably for the better, uh, uh, for the health of those teams 
uh because you see a lot of those injuries happen in the summer where you know it's a lot of congestion you know for seattle for example they play a lot of games uh you don't want to you know have to stack those games to a week now after having ccl and just make it super congested so you know kudos to the league for doing that but it's going to be fun as ever right we got some great games tonight and that'll continue um moving forward so can't wait to see how those ones play out again thank you guys for hopping on um uh, watch out guys uh all the listeners next week um tuesday or wednesday we'll be dropping another pod um as we do uh maybe look out in the future uh as a cba um drop for the women's national team we like to include some u.s men's national team talk u.s women's national team talk on the pod so i would love to touch on that um as uh kudos to all those people as well for getting the getting the deal over the line as the women finally achieve equal pay um that's been a long time coming so just super glad and uh super hopeful for what the future can bring uh for all of our national teams our men and our women so maybe look out for a special pot on that sometime in the future but you know next tuesday and wednesday uh lock it right in here because we'll be back with another one so until then thank you so much for listening um enjoy life enjoy the beautiful game and we will see you then